Let's stand together, can we? Most of you already are, but... If I can't preach after that, I cannot preach. How many of you have ever been deceived? Anybody in here who has not been deceived? Oh, I see that hand. Come down, I want to pray for you. Because you're deceived. <laughs> you know, I was going through the Bible which I love to do, uh, a while back. And it occurred to me there's four times in the New Testament when there is a passage that begins with, be not deceived. And so I began to look at it and began to see that four times in four different contexts, God talks to us about how to avoid deception in different areas. And I really felt impressed to share this because we live in a culture right now that is being bombarded with deception on every hand of all kinds uh, more moral deception theological deception philosophical deception values deception it's everywhere if you're alive and, and you go out your door you don't even have to go out your door you are being hit your mind is being attacked with deception so I felt impressed with the Lord to do this series on Be Not Deceived. And so I'm going to be dealing with deception in four areas. Here they are. Today we're going to talk about Be Not Deceived, about consequences, the law of sowing and reaping. Next week, Be Not Deceived about relationships. Anybody in here ever been de deceived about a relationship? Well, the rest of you, where have you been living? The Bible says, Be Not Deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then the third week, I'm going to talk about being not deceived about false Christ. Don't be deceived about Jesus or teachings that claim to come from him that haven't. Jesus said, be not deceived. And then the last one, be not deceived about cultural values. We're going to look at some of the things that we are being told are right and they're very wrong. And we're also being told but that things are wrong that are actually right. If anybody needs to know truth and walk in it, it's us. All right, so today, let's look at the, you all know this verse, but let's read it together and we're going to look at be not deceived about sowing and reaping. Are you ready? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There's the law. Now, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Isn't that good? So watch this. Those passages are two-pronged. If you're living in some kind of sin, those passages serve as a kind of warning. You're going to reap what you sow. But if you're walking with God, those passages are an incredible promise that you are going to reap an incredible harvest. And it's just as certain both ways. All right? Let's pray. Father, help your church to walk in truth and not in deception. Lord, we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Deliver us from the evil one and his lies. 
and thank you for the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll preach a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be not deceived. And as you leave today, the ushers are going to be handing you several of these cards. We want you to spread the word about our meeting with John Collier. Uh, John was here once, and I tell you, it just blew. It just, God moved. We're having him for a weekend. And I want you to get out and spread the word, be an evangelist, spread the good news. Now, deception is very, very powerful, very deadly, and very real. And every one of us, there's not a soul in here that could not be deceived and deceived badly. We like to think we couldn't, that we're smart enough, wise enough, aged enough in God, but we can be deceived. And the only, the only real remedy to deception is right here in this book. This book is the only book, the truth, that will keep you from deception. It's the way Jesus defeated the devil who was lying to him in the wilderness. He won by quoting this book. We need to know more than a few pet verses or cursory shallow readings. We need to know the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible here, whole books. Wednesday nights, we go through whole books. Right now on Wednesday night, we're going through Galatians. I want our church to be biblically literate, not illiterate. Because the more you know, the less are the chances you're going to be deceived. Now, be not deceived, the Bible says, about the law of sowing and reaping. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Because guaranteed, here's the law, it's as sure as gravity, here's the law. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap what you sowed, more than you sowed, later than you sowed it. See, here's the thing about seed. Seed reproduces only after its own kind. That's what God established early on in Genesis. So what you sow is exactly what you're going to reap because the seed you sow is going to come back after its own kind. Now, you and I are sowers every day. We don't think about ourselves that way. But every one of you is a farmer in this respect. You sow every day in four areas. Here's the way we sow. We sow in our thoughts. We sow in our words, we sow in our actions, and we sow in our attitudes. Every day you get up, you immediately become a sower. You sow words, you sow actions, you sow thoughts, you sow attitudes. And those are seeds. Every choice we make is a seed. And it goes into the field of our life. The Bible says don't be deceived about that. It's a fact, inescapable. Now, you know that I'm a word guy. I love words. Words are powerful, especially when you get into the Greek. You see the power that is in the words that were used. And so I want to know, what exactly did he mean when he said deceive? Be not deceived. It's a Greek word that means to cause somebody to wander or to lead astray or to get off course or to deviate from the right path. So deception comes from the enemy to lure us to wander, to stray away from that narrow road that leads to life that Jesus talked about. Get us off path. Get us going another way. The purpose of deception is to get you to wander, 
away from the truth that you know is real. So when the enemy comes to you and I, and it does come from the enemy, I'm going to talk about it in just a minute, but when he comes to us with a deception, he's got an, a goal in mind, and that is to uproot us from the road of life and cause us to wander away from what we know is true. Happens all the time. I've seen really good people through the years get deceived and pulled off the path of life by believing a lie. And it always ruins them. It always destroys them. The Bible tells us that the root source of all deception is not a human being. It is the devil, split hoof, Satan, Lucifer, the liar. Jesus told us everything we need to know about him. Jesus, let me tell you about the devil. Let me, let me give you a quick biographical sketch of the devil. Here he is. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. How do you know the devil's lying? If he's talking. He's a liar. Now his, his, his favorite MO is this, to give you 90% truth 10% lie because we say, oh, well, that's true. Well, that's true. Well, that's true. And we tend to overlook the part that was the lie. And so he poisons the whole thing by injecting a lie into everything he says. He's a liar. And did you know that his deception is universal? The whole world, as we sit here today, is steeped in, saturated in his lies. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He deceives the whole world. Corinthians talks about how the minds of unbelievers are blinded to the truth by the devil, lest they should see the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. So Satan blinds people's minds with lies. That's his job. And I want to tell you, he's good at it. He's good at it. I'm not here to lift up the devil. But I'm going to tell you, without God's help, we wouldn't have a chance against the devil. But good news, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We do have the winner inside. But John wrote in 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God, that is the believers, and the whole world lies under the sway, the influence, the lies of the wicked one. The whole world. He deceives through philosophy. He deceives through theology. He deceives through false values. He deceives through false Christs. He is a liar, and his bag of tricks is large. And did you know the Bible warns that deception will greatly accelerate before the coming of Jesus Christ to the world? And we are there. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 1, but know this, that in the last days, the last of the last days, before the return of Christ, perilous times will come. Perilous meaning times of high stress will come. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving 
and being deceived. So a proliferation of deception is predicted for the last days. And when I look around me, watch the news, read the paper, look at the scuttlebutt that's out there in the culture, it's very, very clear to me that we are there, that evil men and seducers and liars have, have grown and proliferated and expanded and increased so that we are surrounded by those who are deceiving and at the same time, they're being deceived. The Bible says that not only does the devil deceive us, but we can be deceived by men or we can even be deceived by ourselves. First John 3, 7 says, little children, let no man deceive you. So we can be deceived by another human being who can walk into our life, and I've seen it happen so many times with false teaching, false values, bad morals, a, a godless worldview, and we can be deceived by them. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. But we can also be deceived by ourselves. James 1 verse 22 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I think the most deceived person is the self-deceived person. The one who talks themselves into a lie. Rationalizes wrong. Defines deviancy down. Our culture is a very self-deceived culture. I don't know of a culture that has sinned against greater light and greater truth than America. So the four warnings that we're going to be looking at that were given to us to keep Christians from wandering away from the road of life are very, very important. Now let's look at the one today. Don't be deceived about the reality of consequences. Now it's amazing that, that he should even have to write this because we know instinctively that what we sow is what we reap, don't we? You would think we would. Whatever we sow with the decisions we make in life, we will reap precisely what we sow in thoughts, words, actions, attitudes. We're going to reap exactly what we sow. Now, like I said, for the sinner, that's, that's a warning. But for the righteous, that is a promise of an incredible blessing. Matter of fact, if you're walking with God sowing good seed, you ought to be cranked and excited because there is a harvest coming and it's going to bless you. You're going to reap what you sowed more than you sowed and later than you sowed it. Isn't that great? It's exciting. Every decision we make and every action we take is a seed sown into the field of our life. But here's the deal. Here's the rub. And here's where I think some of the deception comes in. When you first sow, you don't see anything from it. There's a time gap between when you sow and when you reap a harvest. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus said it's this way. The seed falls into the ground and it dies. And so this is where people living in sin get deceived. The Bible warns against the deceitfulness of sin. Well, what is the deceitfulness of sin? I believe this is what it is. You go ahead and you, you know, you, let's say you've been raised in church and, and you know the Bible and you know the warnings and you know what the, how the Lord has told us to live and so on and so forth. But you get tempted and you're like that prodigal son. You say, man, you know, I just got to bust out of the father's house. I got to get out of this religious stuff. I'm going to go see what's in the far country. 
So you go. And at first, there's no negative reaping. As a matter of fact, you're having a blast. As a matter of fact, you say, I should have done this a long time ago. You feel liberated like the prodigal son did. Don't you know he was partying hardy for a while? The Bible tells us he was. But see, the seed was in the ground. And every day he was sowing that seed into the ground. One day he woke up, all the friends are gone, all the money's gone, all the security is gone, and he's eating pig's food. Payday always comes someday. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man or a woman sow, that is exactly what they will reap. And so you got to be careful how you sow, wise about how you sow. Matter of fact, where do you want to be a year from now? Where do you want your life to be five years from now? Then you ought to start sowing towards it, sowing towards it. Because see, we talk about sowing and reaping. There are some things that come into our lives that are not the result of what we sowed. You can get sick, you can get a disease, you can have some accident happen to you, and it's not a direct result of what you sowed. When we talk about sowing and reaping, here's what sowing and reaping directly affects. Your character, your walk with God, and the quality of your life. Your character, your walk with God, and the quality of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I would wager you want Jesus' character. You want to look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, think like Jesus, be free like Jesus, love like Jesus? Because that's God's will for us. And we all want a quality of life. See, but your sowing directly affects the quality of your walk with God, the quality of your life, and the content of your character. Every decision you make, it affects your character. Jesus said, what you sow, you're going to get back exactly the same and more than you sow. This is one of the things we need to realize. You look at that one seed that you sow, that one choice, but it comes back as a harvest. See, what you sow always comes back more than what you sowed. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel, notice singular, a kernel, singular, of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, sown into the soil, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, plural, a plentiful harvest. So we need to understand this about the law of sowing and reaping, that look at what you're about to sow and ask yourself this question. Do I want that coming back to me multiplied? Do I want that coming back as a harvest? Because that's the way it's going to come back. I can sow one seed, but I'm going to get, I sow a singular, I get a plural. I sow one, I get many. I sow one, but I get a harvest. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Boy, it's quiet in here today. Ooh, there's been some sowing going on in this place. See, there's good news when it's good seed, because you can sow one good prayer, one good time with God, one good witness, one good time of fellowship, and it comes back a harvest. I mean, it's a great promise. The harvest is going to produce, the harvest you and I reap is going to produce exactly what we sowed, more than we sowed, and later than we sowed it. We call this the day of reaping or the day of consequences. 
The way that we have lived is always revealed by the harvest we reap. That's why y'all don't look at sinners, people living in sin. You all don't look at them and they seem to be having all the fun. Don't judge them there. Wait till the end. Wait till harvest time and tell me they made good decisions. Harvest time reveals what you sowed in sowing time. The Bible warns that when it comes to sowing and reaping in that law, that irrefutable, inescapable law, God cannot be mocked. Now there's another word. God can't be mocked. I want to know what that meant. And it did not mean what I thought it would. Mocked is from a Greek word meaning to turn up the nose or sneer at. It is to turn up the nose as a sign of contempt, to turn up the nose contemptuously at somebody. Now we've all been around, we call them snooty. You know why they're called snooty? Because their snouts are in the nose or, or in the air, looking up. Snooty. You've been around them. They're condescending. They get around you and they look down at you. Peon. You little surf. I'm better than you. More valuable than you. I have pedigree you don't have. Go away. They drown when it rains because their nose is in the air. Now, get this. God is saying you can't look at him that way when it comes to sowing and reaping because you're still going to reap what you sow. See, there are people who go, I don't care what you say. I don't care what your laws are. I'm going to sow, and I am not going to reap what I sow. God says, really? Let me inform you. I'm not mocked. Because whatever you sow, dude, or dudette, you are going to reap. Even Job, the oldest book in the Bible, Job looked around, just watched life. And he said, here's what I've seen. They that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap exactly the same. They reap what they sow. First Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. He says, Paul says to the Corinthian church, know you not. He's saying, how can you not know? That's translated. How can you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, duh. Don't we all know that? Apparently not. Because look what he says next. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. Here comes a laundry list. Are you ready? Neither fornicators, sex before marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived into thinking you can live that way and get there. That's what it says. Why did Paul have to tell the Corinthians that? Something that obvious? Because clearly some of them had been deceived into thinking you could live in these sins and be saved. <laughs> One of Satan's most successful lies. Here it is. And I don't, he pulls the wool over our eyes with this successfully all the time against all odds. Here it is. 
to deceive you into thinking you can sow and not reap what you sowed. Go ahead. Go do that because you're different. You're special. You're unique. God loves you particularly well. And so you're not going to reap like others. He's going to make an exception of you. You're going to get away with it. You won't reap anything. Or the devil will take the whole idea of reaping totally out of your head altogether. So he says, go ahead. But you know what? Hit me. We don't believe this anywhere else in life. For instance, you go to the store, you buy a thing of tomato seeds. You go home, you hoe the ground, you put fertilizer in and you drop tomato seeds in. Now, in a week or two, three weeks, up comes peaches. What do you do? You grab that thing of tomato seed, you go straight to the store where you bought it, and you say, hey, I bought tomato seed, and peaches came out. What would you think of him if he said, well, you know, that happens sometimes. <laughs> you don't always get what you sowed. You would say, are you crazy? Are you stupid? Is something wrong with you? I know that what I sow, I reap. But we don't think that way when it comes to choices. We know that if two raccoons mate, they are not going to produce a house cat. Don't we? We know that. And if it did, we would say, well, something happened while I wasn't looking. Because we know that seed reproduces after its own kind. We know that what you sow is what you reap. We know it in all of life, except when it comes to our choices. We think, well, I can sow this and reap this. But you can't. Be not deceived. The devil convinces people all the time. You can do evil. You can live in sin. You can live a wicked life and still reap good instead of evil, something totally opposite of what you sowed. You even see people getting mad at God. They, 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 they live like the devil all the time. And then when payday comes and they reap a bad harvest, they say, how did you let this happen to me? God says, I didn't do it. I told you. Be not deceived. I'm not mocked. What you sow is what you're going to reap. So if you want to be blessed, sow good seed. And then you'll be blessed. As surely as negative things happen for bad seed, good things happen with good seed. It's a guarantee. But church people, they're fooled this way all the time. Church people sow their wild oats all week long, then come to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. (laughs) They're in the altar. Oh, but but you know what? Grace does not do away with consequences. Grace will help you through consequences, but grace doesn't stop consequences. Now, let's look at the first part of this verse. He says, he that sows to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. What does it mean to sow? How do you you sow to the flesh? What does that mean? Well, what is flesh? Greek word, sarx, S-A-R-X. It refers to that old sinful nature, the old man, all that we are apart from the grace of God, all that we are before we knew Jesus, the fallen nature we inherited from Adam. I told the early service, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find Adam and I'm kicking him in the shins. 
and I'm going to have a long line behind me. Hey, thanks a lot, man. When you took that fruit, you released a world of trouble because we all inherited a nature that doesn't need to be taught to sin. We know how to sin. You don't have to tell a little kid, now quit that lying, Johnny. Or quit, quit, quit. Johnny, let me teach you how to lie. You're always telling me the truth. What's wrong with you? Let me teach you how to lie. You don't have to do that. Because they figure it out early on. Look you right in the eye and lie to you. Where'd that come from? Adam. We sin as naturally as we breathe. Comes natural the fallen nature. So when you're talking about the flesh, it's that sinful nature that produces what is called the works of the flesh. Listen in Galatians. Listen to this laundry list of what the flesh produces. And this will show you what fruit you will bear, what harvest will come to you if you live in the flesh. Here's what living in the flesh looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, discord, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And other sins like these. And Paul says, let me tell you again, as I've told you before, anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that what he said? That's what he said. He's really saying that person, that person is not going to be in the blessing of God. To sow the flesh means that we are yielding to and doing the works of the flesh. Every day that you and I wake up, we have a choice as believers the lost have no choice. The lost must walk in the flesh and do the works of the flesh because they've only been born once. Born once, you're in the flesh. And so they wake up and they got to sin because they're chained to sin and they're bound to iniquity. But the believer has a choice to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. Do the works of the spirit or do the works of the flesh. Sow to the spirit or sow to the flesh. We have the ability in God to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. So I've told you often, freedom is not the ability to go do what you want to do. It is the power to do what you ought to do. And only a child of God has the power to do what they ought to do. So sowing to the flesh means I'm just getting up and I'm yielding to whatever the flesh prompts me to do. Walking in the flesh, living according to the flesh, fulfilling the lust of the flesh, all the same. Whatever the flesh prompts me to do, I simply and promptly go do it. And what will such a person reap when payday comes? He says corruption. Corruption means ruin and destruction. That's it. What do you, what do you reap in payday when harvest comes? If you have lived according to the promptings of the flesh, you reap ruin and destruction. I don't know anybody that wants ruin or anybody that wants destruction. But if you live according to the promptings of the flesh, if that list describes you, then here's what you can look forward to. Sorrow, regret, hand-wringing, tears, endless if-onlys, separation from God. Those are the bitter consequences of living according to the flesh. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. 
If you sow the flesh, you're going to reap corruption from the flesh. And you can't escape it. So be careful how you sow. Be wise how you sow. Be scrutinizing in what you sow. Because you can't mock God. Now there's a flip side to this. And I want to end this on a positive note. Because y'all look real grim right now. The flip side is an incredible promise. Because this also is a law. As certain as gravity. It says, he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life. Amen. Now, if you don't want to reap corruption, then there's only one other option. That's reaping life, and that is based on what you sow to. Now, the Spirit, he that sows to the Spirit is clearly talking about the Holy Spirit. He who sows to the Holy Spirit that lives within them will reap life. We can sow to the flesh by yielding to his promptings or sow to the spirit by yielding to his promptings. It's an old illustration. There's two dogs inside of each one of us, a good dog and a bad dog. The bad dog is the flesh. The good dog is the spirit. Which one wins the fight? The one you feed the most. I wish I could tell you something more profound. I could use million dollar words up here. I could sound philosophically eloquent. But you know what? The truth is so simple. What kind of life do you want? What quality of walk with God? What what character do you want in your life? Well, then here's the way it works. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It all comes down to how you have sowed and what you're sowing to. So we are to sow to the Spirit. If we live our lives sowing to the Spirit by feeding on God's Word, here's good seed right here. Good seed. This is the, this is the breakfast of champions. Right here. It's not Wheaties. It's the Word of God. All right? Right here. Because your spirit, the, the, the spirit that lives in your inner man, the Holy Ghost, longs for this. It is T-bone steak to the Holy Spirit. He wants to hear the word of God coming in through your ear gate, through your eye gate. He wants the spirit, he wants the word of God fed to him. Your soul longs for the word of God. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. A lot of people treat their inner man like a dog out back that you never feed. And he's scrawny and skinny and scary looking. God wants your inner man to look like Hercules. It says Jesus grew up mighty in spirit. John the Baptist grew up mighty in spirit. Their inner man was Herculean. It was like Samson. You only get that way by what you sow. Let me give you an example. I'm going to close. Psalms 1, the very first psalm, gives us a beautiful picture of a man or a woman who decide, I'm not going to sow to the flesh in my life, I'm going to sow to the Spirit. So it begins this way, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice, he's avoiding ungodly, sinners, the scornful. That is, fleshly input into his life. But what does he do instead? But his delight is in the law 
of the Lord. That's the word of God. And in his law, he meditates every once in a while. Is that what it says? He meditates day and night. So what have you got there? I'm sowing, 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 sowing into my inner man. Sowing into my inner man. Sowing good seed. Well, that means he's got a harvest coming, right? If the word is true, then he's got a harvest coming. Well, look at the harvest. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That means he's got a continual source of the living waters of the Holy Spirit. He's plugged in day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season. That's harvest time. And he's not bringing bad fruit. He's bringing good fruit, but it doesn't stop there. His leaf also shall not wither. Leaves wither when they have no water, when they're under burning sun, and they dry up and they wither and they die. And that's what happens to people who don't spend time with God. Their leaf, the leaf of their inner man, withers and wilts and falls. But the one who lives in the Word of God, their leaf shall... This is good preaching. I'm going to get this CD. I want you to get this now. Very important. His leaf also shall not wither. When everybody around him is fainting, he won't. He is mounting up with wings as eagles. He is running and not being weary, and he is walking and not fainting because he is resting in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, he says, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Look at the harvest this guy got from just spending time in God's word constant life source, strength in tough times, prosperity in what he puts his hand to, the favor and the smile and the blessing of God. I can't imagine wanting anything else. It all depends on how you're sowing. What are you sowing into the field of your life? Be not deceived. If you're sowing badly, you can turn today. I hear some of you thinking, Pastor Jeff, if you only knew what I've been sowing, and I know there's a terrible harvest coming, it's too late for me. No, it's not. Grab a bag of seed. Here you go. Grab a bag of seed and start sowing here, there, and everywhere with all of your might. Start sowing in prayer, sowing in time with God, sowing in good works, and God will bring a harvest to you. Turn it around. So can we stand together today? And I want to pray for you. I'll be honest with you. I've been deceived before. Thinking I could sow and not reap. We've all done it. But now, my time with God is very, very precious to me. I covet it. And I protect it. Because when I get in there and get with the Lord, shut the door, turn off the phone, and open up the Word and let it speak to me, it is my life. And I know I'm sowing for tomorrow's harvest. So can we bow together? You may have never even stepped over into salvation in Christ. I want you to forget about people around you right now. I'm going to talk right to you. 
You may have never said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. You haven't even had a chance to sow to the Spirit. But you can get that chance today. And God, no matter how you've sowed in your life, friend, it's never too late until you're in a casket. And you're not because you're here. You can give your heart to him and let him begin to turn it. And some of you used to walk with the Lord, but a deception came in, maybe through a person or a wrong worldview. Something came in and you got lured away from that narrow road that leads to life. And you know what? You've been listening to this message and you know it's time for you to come back and begin sowing that good seed again in your life. Good news for you today is there's a blessing right now for you. God is as far away as a prayer. And I want to pray with you. I want to ask you to let me pray with you. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories and I will let you pray with me. I need to pray. I, I need to come to him and start sowing like I should today. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you are and don't be ashamed of him. God bless you, many of you, many of you. It's so important that we just forget about the people around us. No one here matters. Only you will meet God one day. So I'm gonna ask you to do something. I did it when I was 16, sitting in jail in big trouble. And I've been sowing very bad seed in my life. But the Lord called me. And when I responded, he began to turn it around. I went forward and I prayed with the speaker. And I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. I want you to slip out right where you are and come down and say, why do I have to come down? You take one step and you're sowing. You're sowing faith. You're sowing good seed. So I want you to come right now. Don't worry about what people think. We've all been there. We've all been where we needed to come down and pray. So if you raise your hand, you come. We're going to wait for you. Say, I need to get right with the Lord. I need to come to the Lord. I want to start sowing right again. Let the Lord deal with you today and change you today. <clears throat> Work a miracle in your life today. We're going to wait right now. I'm just going to wait as Heidi gently plays. I'm going to wait. Slip out right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 Something is really happening in this altar. You come, just step out. Step out and walk. God is moving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit's doing surgery right now on hearts in this altar. Supernatural surgery on souls. If you need to repent, repent right now. Just go ahead and repent. Lord, forgive me. 
for sowing bad seed. Do it now. Forgive me for sowing seed that brought a bad harvest. Holy Spirit, touch these precious people in Jesus' name. Now I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven and go from sowing bad seed to sowing seeds of righteousness. I give you my life. Take over my life today. Fill me with your spirit. Now I'm just going to lay hands on a few of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord's on you right now. Surgery. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. It's not too late for you. God can do a miracle in your life if you will let him. He'll do a miracle in your life. It's never over till God has had his say. God's moving on your life. Holy Spirit surgery. Thank you, Lord. It's him. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. There is nothing too hard for the Lord.